Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to our Triune Pod. It's Inauguration Day. We have no idea what's going to happen today. I guess this will be dropped before we know. I'm hoping for the best. What do you think, Nick? What do you think is going on today? Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, I have no... Why did you start with that question, dude? <laughs> uh, like, how the hell am I supposed to know? I, I am, predictions, uh, predictions. All I can tell you is I am, I am praying for... Um, peace and not outright demonstrations of anger and hostility. Uh, I'm hoping for a boring inauguration that symbolically turns the page on the Trump as a president era and issues in a time of less toxic politics and more competent governance. How about that? Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, in light of what you mentioned, the hope for no violence, uh, no craziness, I think, uh, I mean, we saw a lot of wildness, a lot of craziness not that long ago. And unfortunately, we saw a lot of Christians on the front lines of this storming of the Capitol. We saw flags with Trump is my president, Jesus is my Lord. And I think second to seeing the Confederate flag in the Capitol building, which was just oh, like truly horrifying, just the, the symbolism of that, awful. Uh, the, the second worst thing to me, maybe it should be the worst thing, was seeing those like, in the name of Jesus, we are doing this. And I think this is actually pretty appropriate in light of the colic that we're about to talk about is like, I feel like, I don't know about you, I feel like that set back the Christian witness like 15 years. I hope not, but I'm still kind of in this like really bummed out place about all of that. Um, yeah. Are you grieving? Are you over it? Can you can you offer me counsel, Nick? <laughs> I do not think I can offer you counsel. I, I should say, man, you're, yeah, you're, you still like emotionally, you, you sound still very affected by this which I suppose is, is more than appropriate. Um, how much is this setting us back? You know, I don't, I think, I, I don't really know, to be totally honest, what the relationship is between a kind of the broad perception of Christianity and like the much more particular local you know, two or three people a year in, in, a, in a church like ours might come to faith for the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, I don't think those two things are that direct. Like, I think it's, it's, there, it's very possible for the kind of broadly defined culture to look very, uh, to look with a lot of like anger and distrust of what the church is about and still having the capacity to have individual people who are at the end of the rope finding new life in Jesus. And that is not to say that the former, the broad perception doesn't matter or that it's like, who cares? You know, we just got to be about our work on the ground. That is not what I'm saying. But I, I, like I was talking to my brother, my younger brother about this. 
and you know he has a lot of friends who are very much in the like i used to go to church but now i'm not really into it and trump is just another reason why i was i would never be into it and i think that's real but i think at the end of the day there are like seven reasons why those people are not interested in jesus and the gospel and trump oftentimes just becomes frankly an excuse <laughs> or like it becomes a convenient way and i so I'm not in any way like trying to say it's not a big deal or it doesn't matter, but I still think there is a profound possibility for like awesome gospel ministry to take place, even when, you know, it's, it's easy to look at the failures of the broadly defined evangelical church and say like, look what, what hath God wrought, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I'm not like, whatever. I'm not like terribly. Yeah, yeah. Pessimistic. I mean, I think for our traditions, yeah, most of the people who come into church, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a while, they just they believe all different kinds of political things. They don't like project anything on us. But I do. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not a Baptist. I, I'm, I'm no longer a, a, like a non-denom Christian. But these folks for, you know, all that we mainliners make fun of them, these folks are oftentimes the ones doing the evangelism and converting people. Uh, whereas, you know, the Episcopal Church, <laughs> we don't have a great track record for that. Um, but I do kind of, I wonder what it will mean for non-denoms, for very evangelical churches. And because oftentimes they feed us, which is, you know, to our shame. I wonder what that's going to mean. I mean, I'm not worried about like my livelihood or people coming in but i do like I, I i have wondered about for the people doing the most <laughs> conversions for lack of a better word like what's gonna happen especially when their leaders are so like what they're posting on their social media is so obtuse and just so tone deaf and the optics of it are terrible and it all feels so defensive it seems that the the outward looking focus of these people who are so good at evangelism they're they're they've forfeited that but why don't we uh why don't we look to the college i feel we'll talk a little bit more about this as we go i'm hoping this unrelated is actually very much related to what we're talking about so why don't we pray this collect because we are praying for evangelism and mission in this collect and then i'm gonna i'm gonna grill nick comiskey left and right so let's pray Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we in the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, Nick, what do you do with this collect? Yeah, well, I want to say at the outset, I, I read, uh, I found a reflection on this collect that I thought was very helpful, very well written. And uh, a lot of what I'm going to say is going to be based on that. So I just want to, you know, give give honor where honor is due. Um, you know, what jumps out to me initially about the collect on a formal level is that unlike the majority of collects that we pray over the course of a year, there is no... Um, ascription or there's nothing that we say about we don't say almighty god or most gracious god or almighty and whatever whatever um like most colleagues do we jump right into the petition give us grace those like horrid g's you know give us grace oh lord and what that 
says to me is there is an urgency to what we're doing here. There's like, uh, like let's dispense with formalities. Let's, let's just get right down to business, <laughs> right? Um, you know, so I think that's, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's worth pointing out that this is a prayer. This is an earnest prayer. Um, and Epiphany is a season where the church looks out, right? It looks to the nations and it looks towards God's redemptive plan to include all peoples in God's family. But um, what I want to highlight here before we talk about that is the there, I think there is an inner dimension of this colic that is not as that is not direct or is maybe as is subtle. And one way into it is to look at the the sole adverb in this collect, and that is readily. I don't know if you ever like, you know, edit people. Like sometimes we have um, members of our congregation write our weekly news, like the, you know, and we've just, we, I just had three of them do that actually over the last three weeks. And they are all awesome writers and they were very honest and very wonderful reflections. But I was in the position of like editing people, which I don't do often, you know, I'm not a teacher. Gosh, yeah. Yeah, but like adverbs are always the first thing to go, right? It's like, you don't need those words, like just say what you want to say. Um, but when, and I, and the colics are very concise, right? They're like extremely dense and intentionally worded. And so when you see a, an adverb that like survived the editor's red pen, it's worth, you know, worth pointing out. So what we're really asking for is not just the capacity to, um, to answer the call to evangelize. We're saying, you know, answer readily the call. Um, we need the grace to be ready, to be prepared, to answer that call, to share our faith, to point to Jesus whenever the opportunity presents itself. I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you can just sense, oh, there's an opening in this conversation to point to the source of my hope or to point to the source of grace in my life or to point to my higher power, you know? Um, and I think that's really what we're saying. It's not like God give me a very concise description of the gospel that I can share on street corners. And that, that is not a criticism of that type of ministry. As you related earlier, there's a lot of effective evangelism that happens in that way. But I think what we're saying here is more of like an internal readiness, like God be present in my life in such a way that when those opportunities present themselves, I'm able to walk through that door and point people towards hope, point people towards Jesus the, to, to proclaim the good news of God's salvation. So actually just this morning, my, my high school friend, uh, Nick knows this friend, he's, he's Adrian. Um, we may have talked about Adrian in the past. He, he's, he's my king. He's my king. <laughs> if Fleming's my queen, Adrian's Nick's king. Uh, but he sent me a New Yorker cartoon this morning. Maybe you've seen this, maybe you haven't, you don't need to have, but it's like, you know, God is the old man in the sky shaking hands with this elderly couple uh, and the elderly couple is saying to him just call now and then to let us know you exist um, so it's you know it's kind of knocking christianity or, or i guess faith in general but yeah I, I kind of sensed that this morning a little bit like i feel like oh this is, might be a little bit of an opening here adrian you know knows i'm a priest knows this is what my life's about and is like sending me this kind of like dunk on faith thing but it's like well what's really behind this adrian if you're listening i know you really want jesus as your lord and savior after all <laughs> no that's great man 
Um, yeah. So I think the final thing I'd, I'd point out is, so there's this urgency, you know, give us grace, God. I have no, I have no time to kind of lay some ornate title. Um, and I want to be ready. I want to have the internal capacity to know when is the right time and have the right things to say, um, which, you know, is not that hard. You speak from the heart, leave your ego at the door kind of a thing. Um, but I, you know, one of the, and this maybe gets us back to where we started this conversation. There's a really interesting move that the writer of this colic makes. Um, when he gets to the that aspect of the prayer, like, well, what do I want to have happen as a result of this prayer? And there's a world, right, where this colic goes like this. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works. And if you, if you were to pray that, that would, you know, presuppose a picture where we who are praying this prayer perceive the glory of God's marvelous works. We know the truth. We know our savior and we're telling other people who need our savior about it, but that's not what the colic does. There's a, there's a few words that I left out. The prayer actually goes, give us grace. O Lord to answer readily the call of our savior, Jesus Christ and proclaim to all people, the good news of his salvation that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works. In other words, the gospel, the good news of God's salvation is not for people out there who are far from faith. The gospel is the good news of God's salvation for all people. And that includes people who have been in church all their lives. That includes people who wear collars on Sunday mornings. That includes people who have extensive histories with the grace of God. We never outgrow our need for the gospel. And so I think one way to th I think that one way to think about this prayer is to say, Lord, my readiness to proclaim the good news is directly related to my own personal perception of your glory, of your kindness, of your grace. And there's a world in which evangelism becomes, I have my life figured out. You need to get your life figured out. So get, get your butt in church. And that is the I think exact opposite of what's being portrayed here. It's I have found a, a rope when I was about to fall off a cliff. You know, I have found a way to get a little bit of peace and serenity in my life. And it means so much to me that I want it for you as well, right? It kind of, it's breaking down the barrier between like Christian and non-Christian, between Jew and Gentile, between the godly and the godless, right? It's like, we are all, in the league of the guilty. And um, I am just, you know, this is obviously somewhat of a cliche, but I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. You know, I am not uh, in any kind of position of superiority. And so I think that is, yeah, I think that's the background for this type of prayer formation. I'm looking outward because of something that's so profound that's happened to me internally, you know, not just internally in terms of my soul, but like and this matters so much to me for you. Uh, this matters a lot to me for you because this is means so much to me personally. Yeah. So how do you, I'm, I'm, this, I'm very curious about this question. Um, here in New York, I'm sure it's the same in Austin. Everyone and their mother has a therapist. Everyone does yoga. Everyone meditates. And all these things are good things. I'm not saying they're not. Uh, but yeah, the, the classic line for evangelism, at least the way I've heard it, has always been kind of my life was not so good and now it's good. Or, you know, I found peace in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I don't want to knock that. That's so very true. 
but I'm, I'm, I'm interested, like how, you know, for, for my friend, uh, who has found meditation, who has found, uh, therapy, who's found these other things who might not feel like he needs faith so that he feels better or so that life is better. Um, how, how might we proclaim to those folks, the good news of salvation? Do you have any thoughts on, on that? If I had thoughts on that, I could probably write a really successful book. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I've never, I've never been able to convince people of their need for God. Hmm. Uh, I think that is something that comes by the grace of God and the wondrous wind-like workings of God's spirit that we oftentimes don't perceive or know where it comes from. So I, yeah, I think for, for people who are doing ministry in a context where people have pretty good, seemingly have good lives without any kind of inclination to make their lives more religious or transcendent, at least in the way that we think about it as Christians, um, put, put your head down, like wait for God to work. I think that is something that God does. And it's, it's, it can be extremely deflating and crushing to live under the burden of like, it is my job to awaken these people to faith. And this, this is going to sound like a cop-out and maybe it is a cop-out to me. It's like, that's the job of the Holy spirit. That's not something that I'm you know, yeah. eager to try to step in and do. Um, yeah, I think it would be pretty disappointing if you gave a, a five step-by-step -step, uh, <laughs> ways to, to reach those kinds of people. So I don't know exactly what I was looking for, but I think, yeah, I mean, I've, I've thought about that quite a bit in my life because a lot of my family, they're not people of faith. And some of them, some of them really don't have their lives together, but others really seem to have peace. And and I think, um, I, don't, I don't think I did this correctly, but in response to Adrian's New York Times cartoon, after going back and forth for a little bit, I wrote essentially just kind of like, well, I'm not interested in the man in the sky. I'm interested in the crucified God. And I don't know if that's like, you know, <laughs> the silver bullet and I don't think it is, but uh, sometimes I, I, I found kind of like a Tim Keller approach of like, well, here's what you think God is. I'm going to show you who Jesus is. Uh, again, not that that's been super successful for me. It seems like it's been a little successful for Tim. But going back on to what you said a second ago, I think it's really appropriate that you brought out that this isn't just the proclaiming the good news of the salvation to the whole world, uh, to people like my friends who got, have meditation and do yoga and all that, th all that. This is also to us, to we in the whole world. And the, the gospel lesson for today, I think really actually focuses in on that more than the evangelism aspect in that Jesus, this is right after John the Baptist dies. And who is Jesus witnessing to? His disciples. Now, of course, at that time, they're outsiders. But I think the, the, the idea here is that he's witnessing to the people who gave you this gospel. Um, this is to us as well. And uh, yeah, no, I really like the whole, you know, on some level, it takes the pressure off of us, right? What you've said of, to find the right words uh, at the right time. This is to answer readily is the power of the Holy Spirit working through us, giving us those words, letting us see those opportunities. And um, yeah, I think that helps an already anxious person stress out less. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I do think I, you know, so there's a way of thinking about it as an individual Christian. How do I make my, you know, find to do this? I think, uh, 
uh, for us who are pastors, who are tasked with like presiding over organizations. And I think it's maybe, a, I think I would say something a little bit different if I was speaking to like, a, you know, <laughs> trust me, no one is asking me to address a group of pastors <laughs> to talk about this stuff. But in a hypothetical world where I was, I would relate something that I learned actually that was impressed upon me very strongly in early, early days of my pastoral career. And I, I have a, you know, it's kind of a mentor figure of mine. He said like, look, churches have strategies for discipleship. Churches have, some churches have strategies for, every church has a strategy for worship. Think of how much time and money goes into pulling off Sunday mornings. We have strategies for stewardship. We have strategies for service in the community. Almost no, very, very, very few churches have actual strategies for evangelism. Like we say, well, I don't know if God does it, God does it, but we don't treat worship that way. We don't treat any other aspect of church that way. And so uh, the answer, there's no silver bullet program, but I, um, and it's an iterative process. You know, you try one thing, it doesn't work. You try another thing, it doesn't work. I, I, to me, the point is not, you need to find the one program that works in all times and in all places. But I do think churches would be much better off if they said, okay, well, we're going to try Christianity Explored. I think you guys at Calvary St. George, you guys tried that thing, the fundamentals, um, you know, and may, I don't know, I've, you've never said anything about that to me, good or bad. My point isn't like, that's the silver bullet, but it's like, hey, you're trying something, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, if it, so, you know, at the end of the day, the only time I've, the only time I've seen like a kind of consistent number of new people coming to faith is when people that were alive in God, who had discovered something in the gospel, had a means of inviting their friends and family members to a like non-judgmental kind of progressive experience where they were around Christians, realized Christians were not all racist and homophobic and terrible people. And they saw like oftentimes through their friends, like testimony, like, oh man, they've really found something in this church thing. Like, I wonder if there's something in this for me too. And they were like allowed to ask questions in a non-judgmental way and kind of come to their own sense of like, yeah, actually this is for me. I want this. Hmm. Um, and there's, you know, there's multiple ways of doing that. You know, it goes by lots of different titles, but I think that kind of speaking directly, I'm not speaking directly, I'm speaking, you know, theoretically towards other people who are in charge, in, in charge of organizations and churches. It's like, well, yeah, just try something, man, but don't de- develop a strategy. Don't just like, yeah. you know, say, yeah, we suck at evangelism. I really wish there were more non-Christians that were coming to faith in our context. Wouldn't it be great if God did that? It's like, yeah, okay, well, just try something, man. God gave you a brain, yeah. use it. Um, uh, I, think I wonder if like some of our, like whatever your tradition is, there's like those groups that you knock, whether it's Alpha, whether it's Christianity Explored, uh, you fill in the blank. And maybe that really is just a defensiveness to like, well, oh, we don't know dude. what we're doing. Don't even get me started on that. On those yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, guess what? Their shitty way of doing evangelism is way better than your <laughs> non way of doing evangelism. Right. I mean, that's all I think. Or just, yeah, you can poke hole like this one thing. It's just wrong. And so the whole thing is bunk. Um, yeah. yeah. It's like, well, get in the game, man. Once you get in the game, you realize this is super hard and there's no, nothing is perfect. Totally. All right. Yeah. Sorry. I'm getting a little animated. That's not, <laughs> no one, this is not, this is not helpful. For this is actually listening great. to this. So uh, yeah. Why don't you close this out with the, the prayer? Cause we need it. <laughs> yep. Sounds good. Give us grace. O Lord to answer readily the call of our savior, Jesus Christ, 
and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we in the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. How about that episode of Our Triune Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite podcast.